This is Wealth Radio, 10 years now on KLBJ. Here's author, wealth manager, and CEO of Reed Financial, Chris Herline. Good day, everybody. Chris Herline here of Reed Financial, host of Wealth Radio for over a decade now here on News Radio KLBJ. Thanks for joining me here at 11 a.m. And uh, we're with you every single Saturday at 11 a.m. I also want to encourage you to tune into uh, our YouTube channel. You can subscribe at Reap Financial. I drop new content there every Wednesday so that you and so many of our clients can stay on top of the latest. We've got uh, some great things to cover in today's show, some things that I haven't spent a lot of time on over the years, but I'm seeing more of a growing trend, and it's retirement tax traps that retirees, you, you need to avoid, and, and these things are overlooked, um, and I'll show you today why. I'm going to talk you through why they're overlooked and why they can cause a significant amount of loss in principal over years, loss of money that could otherwise be working for you and going to Uncle Sam. So when we talk about tax traps, obviously, you know, you're you're working, you've got a W-2 paycheck, most of you, and uh, you're contributing to your 401k, potentially getting tax deductions. And, you know, things are pretty straightforward for a lot of you. You know, you, you just get your tax docs at the end of the year, you connect with the CPA and he reports your history. But when it comes to taxes in retirement, things get a lot more complex. And that's because, well, the W-2 paycheck's gone. In many cases, you know, you've got income being generated and uh, you may not be withholding for taxes. And so today we're going to talk about how that can impact things. You know, taxes are one of the top three expenses for most retirees. Um, And what we see initially when we're meeting families is Many of them are overpaying. And, you know, gone are the days where retirement age Americans receive tax breaks. It's, there's not a whole lot of tax breaks when you're retired. You've got uh, your house paid off. We don't got deductions there. Uh, you got the kids off payroll or willing. You don't have uh, the deductions there that maybe you once had. So when we think about Social Security, it's, it's crazy. A lot of Americans, they don't know that they're going to pay tax on Social Security. Uh, It's very, very, very tough to not be taxed on your Social Security. And I'll give you some background as to why. Uh, Back in 1983, so rewind 40 years ago, uh, the the government put some income limits in place and basically stated, if you make over these income limits, you're going to have to pay tax on a portion of your Social Security. And what's interesting is these limits that were put in place back in 1983 Back then, they, they may have seemed high, but in today's world, where everything has increased, property values, property taxes, your Social Security benefits, they've gone up through the years, not only because you're paying into FICA while you're working, but also because of cost of living adjustments. I mean, we've seen incredible cost of living adjustments the last couple of years, 2022 over 8%. You know, we saw 2023 at... Um, um, what about over 3% going into 24 here. So I'm going to tell you right now, you know, those, those days of higher colas, I think those will come back down in years to come um, as inflation settles. But here's the point. Everything's gone up. The limits that were put in place back in 1983, they've never gone up. You see, this is how they, this is how they do it. So back then they said, if you make over $25,000 and you're a single filer, you're going to have to pay tax on your Social Security. If you're married and you got over 
dollars of income, you're, you're going to pay taxes on Social Security. So if you're over those limits, 85% of your benefits taxed. 85% of it is taxed at your marginal bracket. So what's interesting is you think about the income they count towards it. They, they count your IRA, 401k distributions, you know, capital gains, all sorts of things, including half of your Social Security benefit. Half of your benefit amount counts towards what we say today is very low thresholds. So if you've got you know a married couple and you, you both have a, a nice working career, you've been paying in, you could be halfway to those thresholds before you even start factoring in any other types of income, any other types of income at all. And so it's very, very tough. It's, there are very, very few retirees out there uh, that have done a good job of saving, you know, have a nice lifestyle they want to maintain, are in a position that they won't pay tax on Social Security. But just keep in mind that, you know, your marginal tax bracket is what is going to be assessed on that Social Security check. And so it pays to be very proactive and very forward-looking when it comes to your tax planning and how it can impact your Social Security. For years, we've talked about how many successful retirees are going to be impacted by what we call the stealth tax. It's, it's the Medicare premium surtax. It's known as IRMA. And it's a tough one for higher income retirees. And as your income rises through the years, so may your Medicare premium. Uh, but this premium surtax is paid separately as part of your income tax instead of a monthly premium. So there's six, uh, there's six income brackets out there. For, for those of you that are new to this, pay, pay close attention. There's six income um, tiers out there, or brackets. And they start low, right? You can make uh, $206,000 this year as a married couple, $103,000 as a single filer. And you'll be at the base premium, which is about $174 and change every, uh, every month. And then once you cross those thresholds, that's when the, uh, the, the surtax kicks in. And so once you go above 206, uh, you're now paying $244 a month as a married couple. If you go above 258, now you're paying 349. You go above 322, and now you're paying 454 dollars. So it can start stacking quick. And uh, I, I know a lot of people they go, "Well, Chris, we're not going to make that kind of money." You very well may not need that kind of money every year to live, but if you sell a highly appreciated home, you got exercise company stock, or you're just raising cash in your brokerage accounts to uh, to you know maintain your lifestyle as an income stream. Maybe you uh, are doing large Roth conversions while taxes are at historic lows. All these type of things can make an impact towards that increase in your Medicare. Now, the good news is, is it's not irrevocable. If you got a big pop, if you got a big year, they will um, you know, let you get through another couple tax cycles, paying at these elevated Medicare premiums, and then you can get back down. It'll come back down once you get your income back down uh, maybe in that first tier or or the second tier, wherever you may fall. But uh, the thing is, you know, that that's a one-time event oftentimes that triggers the surtax. But the other thing that I, I must talk about is that if you've done a great job of saving in your IRAs, 401ks, what we see sometimes is you've got these required distributions that'll kick in these, these days at 73 or age 75, depending on your birthday. And what'll happen is that's that's a lot of income that can help push you up tax brackets. It, it, it really 
Uh, we see if it doesn't happen at first, you know, it can happen years down the road because typically your RMD is going to go up. The amount you have to pull out is based on the account balance, your aggregate balance of pre-tax accounts, and um, your age. And so uh, many times you may have an RMD kick in and then you're stuck. You're stuck in the higher tiers because that income is going to be forced to come out every single year. So you can see that, you know, you want to be proactive in this. We, we run Medicare analysis for our clients and prospective clients all throughout the week. And it's just staggering. And we'll see that some families are on a path where they may pay hundreds of thousands of dollars more over their retirement years for Medicare. It's really amazing. Hundreds of thousands more than, than the person that stays in the, the first year. Um, the good news about retirement is that you you got a lot of control. You got a lot of control of your tax bracket. In fact, probably more so than than any time in your life. But you got to be aware of what your options are. You got to be aware of, you know, where you're going to pull your income and, you know, estimate what that income is going to be on the year. We we have our families at Reap Financial, you know, we we tell them just consult with us. Let's collaborate when you're thinking about doing conversions and making large purchases and you know, selling highly appreciated assets because that's uh, that's something that can trigger it, most of what I'm talking about here. So another stealth tax, it's called the net investment income tax. This was created as part of the Affordable Care, back, uh, Affordable Care Act back in the day. And it can be stiff. Um, it's it's kind of sneaky. But if you've got uh, income, AGI, over 250 for a married couple or 200 thousand dollars uh, for a single taxpayer, um, yeah, that's when the net investment income tax kicks in. You'll pay a flat 3.8% on the lesser of net investment income or the excess of the AGI over that 250 for married or 200,000 for single. So you know you're talking about an additional nearly four percent tax. I'm going to come back to the, the scenario I just I just laid out. Um, again, if you have uh, large required distributions, when those things kick in, not only may it elevate your Medicare premiums, as I just spoke of, but you may be in a position where you're paying net investment income tax year over year. So you want to be weary and, uh, and be mindful of, of these type of things, particularly those that are you know, approaching that RMD age, hopefully uh, up to now. You know, you've been um, you've you've been doing some some shuffling, if you will, maybe some Roth conversion, maybe some things that you know will reduce your future RMD. Um, part of your distribution plan is is a you know really needs to incorporate that uh, that long term look. Now, another penalty that's often not even thought of ever because nobody wants to think about dying, but it's what we call the widow's penalty. And what happens when you lose a spouse? Uh, when you think about your net worth and your nest egg, it, it, your net worth literally can shrink overnight. And it's because tax brackets, the tax code favors those that file jointly. When you file as a single filer, um, yeah, it, it, it can uh, be less favorable. You can find yourself quickly in a higher tax bracket than you were when you were married and, and your other spouse was alive. And, um, you know, the other thing that comes into play here is that you don't really, you don't see the, the 
the budget or the lifestyle typically change all that much. The income goes down because when you lose a spouse, that is. When when you lose the spouse, you, you typically see the social security go away. One of the checks will go away. And maybe the spouse is uh, going to take uh, the widow's benefit or maybe you're just going to stay on your own. But um, what when, when you think about required distributions, I know I keep going to that, but when you think about RMDs, when you inherit or you know, receive the IRA or 401k of your deceased spouse and you now hit those, those ages 73, 75, you're, you're now in a position where you're taking RMDs and you're now in a single filer bracket, which is a lot less favorable. So that's why I say your, your wealth can literally shrink overnight. It really can just because of the long-term tax implications. So be mindful of that. We're talking today about uh, many of the retirement tax traps, and I want you to keep it right here. I'm Chris Herline. We'll be right back with you. This is Wealth Radio, 10 years now on KLBJ. Here's author, wealth manager, and CEO of Reed Financial, Chris Herline. Welcome back. Chris Herline here of Reed Financial, and uh, we've been with you here on KLBJ for over 10 years now, and great to have you joining me here in the 11 o'clock hour every Saturday on News Radio KLBJ. Uh, I want to encourage you to text me uh, with your retirement questions, whether it's IRAs, 401ks, Medicare, Social Security, and beyond. Uh, happy to take those at 512-836-0590. We'll get to a couple text questions here momentarily, but uh, we kicked off our hour talking about many of the uh, retirement tax traps that retirees fall into. And I think you fall into them just because you're not aware of them. And we were just talking about the widow's penalty. You know, when you lose a spouse, your tax bracket uh, becomes less favorable when you file single versus filing joint. And literally your wealth can shrink overnight uh, because of future taxation that's going to be had. And, you know, we talked about the RMDs and how, you know, when you are forced to take those and you're now as a single filer because you've lost your spouse, um, you know, you're likely going to have to pay more tax. You know, more of that RMD is going to go to the government. And then, you know, I, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse. But remember, I talked at the beginning of the hour about the six different Medicare brackets that, that once your income's over certain limits, um, you know, you may find yourself uh, in a higher IRMA Medicare bracket paying more surtax back. And, and I'll just give you a quick example if you're just tuning in. You know, if you're you're married and you keep your income under 206000 this year, you'll be at the base Medicare premium. But you lose a spouse and you file single, you have to keep your income below 103000 And if you don't, then that's when your Medicare premium starts going up. So it's kind of a snowball effect. I mean, the government, those people up in D.C. got some of this stuff figured out. The good news is there's still ways to mitigate a lot of it. One of the biggest tax traps, if I'm talking about any of them today, it's this one. Um... It's, it's when you retire and you don't have, you know, the W-2 paycheck coming in. You're not having taxes withheld uh, out of that paycheck. And uh, you got kind of this ghost income, I like to call it. You know, you've got maybe you're, you're, you're retiring and you're living on IRAs and 401ks and uh, maybe some brokerage accounts. And you understand that some of that money is, is always taxed. Some of it's somewhat, somewhat taxed. Um, and... You can do a, a good job of, of planning for your income tax there, but what about the ghost income? And uh, this is what's generated on your uh, 
dividends uh, within your brokerage accounts, qualified and ordinary dividends being kicked off, maybe being reinvested. You know, in today's environment where money markets are paying, um, you know, 4%, you got CDs paying over 5%. Um, you know, a lot of you, you, you got cash at the bank in those type of vehicles. You're not using it. You're not touching it. You like the rate you got on it. But you're going to get a 1099 at the end of the year. Those ordinary and qualified dividends are going to show up as, as income. If you got mutual fund distributions, you know, um, there's a number of things that create kind of this ghost income. You don't really think about it. And then you get to the end of the year and you didn't pay estimated taxes. You didn't pay your quarterly estimated taxes. And uh, you end up paying interest penalties you, you don't need to pay. And so... The way the government wants to see it, they want to see equal estimated payments. They don't want to just, you know, get a big check from you at the end of the year or January 15th, you know, paying tax on income that was generated all year long. They want it spread out evenly. So your estimated tax payment dates is April 15th, June 15th, September 15th, and then January 15th. So if you have a large capital event in Q1, you need to be making your estimated payment by April 15th. If you got a big Roth conversion that you did in September, October, um, well then, you know, you need to be making your estimated payment on that by January 15th so that you don't get to April the following year after the tax cycle and uh, pay unneeded uh, penalties interest. There's just not a need for it. And, and a lot of times you don't even know what's happening. And then, you know, 5, 10, 15 years go by and you, you've been in retirement paying these penalties you haven't needed to pay. It just continues to, to, to shrink the portfolio. So if you uh, get to the, uh, well, let's see, we're, we're already getting close to April here. So, I mean, if you get to April 15th here and uh, you take a look at that return and you see that you had um, penalties and interest because you failed to make your estimations last year, uh, if you're over 62, um, you can do a, one-time request to the IRS, it's a Form 2210. Form 2210 will, um, in many cases, give you a once-in-a-lifetime abatement of that uh, penalty and interest. It's a one-time deal. you got to be over 62, so it's it's for you know retiree-age people. Um, but that may be something to consult with your uh, CPA on uh, as we're getting closer to the tax filing date. So 512-836-0590. We're still going to discuss some other tax traps today, but I want to get to a text question here from Phil. He says, uh, Chris, should we sell our home and downsize before or after retirement? Um, it's really going to depend, Phil, on you know what the value is, uh, what your objective is in retirement. We are seeing clients um, moving out of state uh, more frequent than, than we have in the past years. And I just think, uh, obviously, more people retiring, one, but two, um, the property taxes here are, are very high. I don't have to tell you, you know, if you got a mortgage, it, if you don't have a mortgage, you, you've done a great job paying your house off, the taxes feel like a mortgage. That's where I was going with that. And, uh, you know, that's one reason. Uh, probably the primary reason is people are chasing the, the grandkids or their kids. They want to be closer to the family. They don't want to have to travel, you know, four times a year to see the grandkids. They'd rather be closer. I mean, there's a number of reasons. Maybe you just don't need... Uh, that, that, that much of upkeep, that you don't need the square footage that you once did. I mean, there's, there's a number of reasons. But um, when you think about selling before and after retirement, 
let's talk about some of the, the things behind the scenes you want to be aware of. Um, I was talking in our, our first segment today about how families will sell a highly appreciated home. They're, they're in retirement, they're on Medicare, and um, you know the houses have appreciated quite a bit here. So you, you do get an exemption. Uh, when you sell a house, it's uh, you can you know make up to two hundred fifty thousand of gains and pay no tax as a single filer, five hundred thousand as a married filer, and those those are high exemptions. It's a great gift, but um, at the same time, you know if you have had, owned a home for a long time, we see people all the time that are going to be over those limits, and um, that that gain above those limits can push you up into higher Medicare brackets. So, you know, I don't know your age, Phil, but you know if if you're if you're not on Medicare and you're going to have a large capital event uh, and you're two years out from, or two years or more, I should say, out from your uh, Medicare date, it, it may be beneficial to uh, to sell prior to uh, that Medicare age range. What they do, I, I have, didn't mention this, many of you may know that have been tuning in with me for years, but what they do is they take a look at the last two tax cycles. So two years prior is what they use to dictate what uh, the following year's Medicare premium is going to be. So that would be the first thing to consider, Phil, is just will, will, will there be any tax implications? The other thing is, is if you're not retired, you may be in your highest earning years. And uh, let's say you're, you're making a bunch of money and you're going to have a large capital gain when you sell the house. Well, it may make sense to wait till after you retire, after the big income goes away. Um, if you're going to be subject to taxes, um, you know, in today's world, I mean, it's it's 15% for most of you on capital gains. And once you start getting, you know, into 400,000 plus, 500,000 plus, you're, you're now going to be, you know, paying 20%. But that's the top. I mean, that's that's lower than most of your income tax rates that y'all are that are at, uh, you know, 22, 24, 32. So I, I would say, you know, Phil, if you look at, you know, your, your current situation, where you're at as far as uh, your Medicare date, your retirement date, consider your current income. Um, you know, in this in this world right now, you you don't get a lot of tax deductions on on houses like you once did because they they capped it out. Uh, you know your deductibility, and then those of you that you know don't, don't even have a mortgage, you know that's not that doesn't even apply anymore. So that being said, Phil, I'm happy to consult with you offline. I appreciate that question, and you can join me too at five one two. Eight three six zero five ninety. Uh, we're going to go to uh, Christina here. Chris is uh, there's something I need to sign up for at fifty nine and a half to get enrolled for Medicare benefits. Uh, Christina, no, there's nothing uh, that that comes to mind. Medicare benefits um, uh, for retirees or pre retirees. You know, you can be on Medicare and still work. That that typically comes in around your age of 65 and your enrollment period um, is uh, it's set to get a seven month window, Christina. It's uh, three months before you turn 65, the the month of your birth date, and then three three months after. So for a total of uh, seven months. So 59 and a half, you, you may have heard, uh, we, we talked about the, uh, the age 59 and a half for, for many years. Um, and there's some magic ages uh, leading up to your 50s and your early 60s. 59 and a half is um, the age where you could start accessing money in your IRAs, uh, potentially your 401ks, uh, Roth IRAs, et cetera, uh, and not have to pay a, a 10% early withdrawal penalty. So that's one thing there. Also, um, 
For those of you working that have a 401k, after you turn 59 and a half, your employer may allow for a what, what they call an in-service withdrawal. Uh, there's a couple names for it, but an in-service withdrawal allows uh, people that are working still to roll a, a portion or maybe all of their 401k balance to an IRA or a Roth IRA and invest uh, in, in things that their current 401k doesn't allow. And, and the reasons people do that are it, it may be the plan fees are, are more expensive than what they can get outside. Um, it, it may be because you want more uh, diversification. You may want more conservative options than the plan allows. Um, you know, there's a, there's a number of ways that uh, people use the 59 and a half in service, but those are the two main ones that come to mind when, when it's 59 and a half. So Christina, if you're, if you're getting close to 59 and a half, don't, don't worry about that when it comes to your Medicare. 512-836-0590. You can join me. I'm taking your questions in real time today. Um, you know, we were talking about the retirement tax traps, uh, but I want to take one more question before we go to break here from Tammy. Uh, what is form SSA 44 and how do I fill it out if I retire this year? The form SSA 44, um, it, it applies to your Medicare IRMA surcharges. So I've talked about that today. The uh, SSA 44 uh, allows eight uh, situations, if you will. There's eight qualifiers, if you will, um, to get around one time, once in a lifetime, get around the increase in Medicare premium. And the most common one, there's, I mean, there's disability, there's, there's death of a spouse, there's um, uh, work stoppage. That's the one that people use most. It's a retirement, right? So if you're working, let's say, Tammy, you, you're working mid-year, get to the middle of this year and you got a high income and you're going to get on Medicare this year. Well, your, your 1040 that they're going to receive, it's not going to tell them that you retired. It's just going to show that you're on Medicare and you made over, you know, the, the income limits that I was talking about earlier. So what the SSA 40 form does is uh, that will indicate that or let them know that you retired. And if it qualifies, you can get a, a once in a lifetime uh, workaround on an increase in Medicare premium. So I like that um, because it kind of gets some of the hassle out of the way. I've seen uh, clients, um, you know, they, they didn't file that form when they got on Medicare and they went and tried to uh, appeal it. And in many cases, it, you can you can win the appeal. But it, I mean, that's a lot of time and energy and a lot of money out of pocket that maybe you otherwise wouldn't have had to, uh, to pay out. So great questions coming in today. I encourage you to send me yours, 512-836-0590. Still got a lot more to cover around the tax trap environment. And I'm going to also talk today about what's new for Medicare in 2024. I'm Chris Herline. Keep it right here. This is Wealth Radio, 10 years now on KLBJ. Here's author, wealth manager, and CEO of Reed Financial, Chris Herline. Welcome back. Chris Herline here, CEO of REAP Financial, and glad to be with you every Saturday in this 11 a.m. hour uh, where we take your retirement questions and more. You can join me now. We've had some great questions come in. Submit yours now, 512-836-0590 and text me. Uh, and also, you can email me, chris at wealthradio.com, whatever's easiest for you there today. So, before I dive into our next topic today, I want to get to the phone lines here and go to uh, Thomas. Uh, my wife is younger and will continue to work after I turn 65. Will I be eligible to use her health insurance or do I have to 
use Medicare? Thanks for the uh, question there, Thomas. If uh, your spouse is uh, currently working and you're receiving health care benefits through the company-sponsored plan, uh, you can keep your insurance, okay? You don't necessarily have to uh, get off your uh, your your spouse's plan. In most cases, you're likely able to keep your insurance until your spouse retires. Um, every company's different. Every, you know, they may want you to get on Medicare A, uh, which doesn't cost anything, which, um, uh, you know, covers the hospital portion. Um, but in most cases there, Thomas, you shouldn't have to get off and that'll make things easier, um, you know, during that transition for you. So thank you for that. 512-836-0590. I want to get over to our next topic today. Um, if you missed, uh, our first couple segments today, I was talking about the tax traps that retirees fall into. And I encourage you to go back and listen to that, uh, on wealthradio.com. You can always catch hundreds of past week shows there over the years. And, um, I want to dive into what's new for Medicare. I mean, Medicare is daunting. I get it. I mean, you get, you know, you get close to 65 like Thomas, you know, the guy that just que- just texted us. And, and I'll tell you what, it is daunting. Um, your mailbox is full of invitations for seminars and dinner workshops and, and all sorts of things. You don't know what, what plan you are eligible for or what you should get on. But, you know, it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. It feels overcomplicated. At REAP Financial, we have a designated staff member that is a specialist in Medicare and helps all of our successful clients pick the best plans, go out to the marketplace and ensure that it's really tailored for you and your needs. Um, But if you're on Medicare or soon to be, I, I really want you to be prepared for some changes here in 2024. And that first change is, is uh, going to be the inflation adjustment. Um, the monthly Medicare bar, Part B Medicare premium increased by $9.80. And so your base premium now is $174.70 here in 2024. That's a 5.9% increase. And so $9.80 doesn't sound like a lot, but the reason I, I, I bring this up is your Medicare cost of living adjustment was a little over 3%. So when you see these cost of living adjustments, historically, they don't really, they don't really give you much because it's getting eaten up in other areas like when tax rates go up and or um, you know, the, the inflation rate on Medicare, the premium cost uh, does go up through the years. Um, the additional Part B premiums paid by you higher income beneficiaries, that that increase rose by about 8%. So if you're at the base, it's about 5.9. But all in all, you know, I think most of our listeners, at least initially, are going to be at that base. And, you know, we want to keep you at that base as long as possible. I talked earlier that um, you've got to keep your income, your adjusted gross income under 103000 as a single and if you're married, uh, keep that adjusted gross under 206000 and you'll be in, in good shape there. Also, if you uh, have the, the higher income and you're over those limits, um, you also see an increase on your Part D prescription drug premium. And that maximum monthly surtax is $81 bucks, um, when, you, when you get to the same levels as the Part B surtax. So that's a, that's a pretty big increase. That can tack on if you're at the highest level there. Um, but 
the good news is that Congress is phasing out the famous coverage gap, or they, they've called it the donut hole for years. And that's for those of you with high prescription drug expenses. So in 2023, last year, uh, you, the beneficiary, was responsible for up to $7,400 of out-of-pocket prescription, uh, prescription drug expenses before things like your catastrophic coverage kicked in. After that, the beneficiary, you, in the catastrophic coverage range, only pay 5% of all subsequent prescription drug expenses. So a change for 24 is the 5% copay is eliminated for those in the catastrophic coverage range in 2024. The uh, out-of-pocket amount to reach the catastrophic coverage is $8,000. But there was a law that was passed recently that is going to change the game for a lot of Medicare beneficiaries. And it's next year in 2025, the catastrophic coverage range is going to be completely eliminated. This is great news. Medicare beneficiaries with Part D prescription drug plans, you'll pay only a maximum of $2,000 out of pocket for your covered prescriptions. So that's a, that's a big reduction of liability. What you're you know, currently here in 24 um, you know, on the hook to pay out. So this is a this is a big deal for those of you on Medicare that um, you know may have high prescription drug costs. So these things are um, you know a lot of what I talk about are, are changes in the tax code, but what I'm talking about today is changes in you know the the Medicare plans. And again, if this is something we can help you with, Medicare, I, like I said, it, it can be daunting. I want you to get your uh, your hands on our updated copy for 2024. It's our Medicare 101 guide. Email me right now, Chris at WealthRadio.com. Chris at WealthRadio.com. This thing is packed full with all the latest changes for 2024, the ins and outs of how to uh, enroll in Medicare, when to enroll. And a lot more. It's our Medicare 101 guide. Email me right now, Chris at WealthRadio.com. Chris at WealthRadio.com. So we talked about the tax traps that retirees face. Um, you know, whether it's you know Social Security, the the Medicare surtax, whether it's the net investment income tax. Um, let's see, we've got you know estimated payments. You know, if you don't do those correctly, you're you're getting penalties and interest on that. But what I want to focus on for the rest of our show today is the, the tax traps in delaying your IRA distributions. Um, you've been you know, deferring these accounts for a long time, and then you get into retirement. You still have the option to defer them uh, for many years up until you hit your uh, required distribution age. And uh, in 2022, uh, if you remember, I was talking about a law that uh, went into effect the Secure Act 2.0. And I really was happy to see this for our clients because the law delayed the starting age for required minimum distributions to age 73. And, uh, you know, if you're born after 1960, your RMD age uh, jumps to 75. And, you know, you rewind just a few years back and the required distribution age was actually 70 and a half. So, it's essentially bought you, you know, three to five additional years from what it was just several years back. And there's reasons they raised it, but I look at it as a huge opportunity to get things rearranged, to get better control of your taxes and, and your income. 
And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you go, what are we going to do with the time? What are we going to do? And so understand that if you turn 72 in 2023, your first RMD uh, will be 2024. Okay. So you, you've got to take an RMD. You want to be sure you, you don't miss that. It's one of the stiffest penalties in the tax code. And then for those who turn 73 in 2023 through 2032, the starting age for your RMD is 73 years old. Okay, 73. So that that's a lot of you listening right now. And, um, you know, your RMD is something that uh, there, there's often some misconceptions around. And, and many people feel like they have to uh, sell stocks, sell positions and liquidate and then distribute the cash. And that couldn't be further from the truth. That is an option, obviously. That's an option for sure. Um, but you can distribute the stocks directly or the ETFs, mutual funds directly in many cases and just move them out to a investment, a brokerage account. And in those cases, you're, you're sitting there and you, you got the position you still like potentially. And, um, you know, even if you don't sell it, it will be taxable. It'll be taxable as income because you've never paid income on it. But I like to, I like you to know that you have options. You really do. Um, so the other thing is, you know, when I think about the, the first rule of tax planning, um, a lot of people think it's, it's to delay paying taxes as long as possible. That's kind of the old mantra, but that's not always the best way to decrease your lifetime and family income taxes. Um, I think back years ago, before we had Roth IRAs and other tools, I crunched the numbers and found that for some taxpayers, the better strategy is to begin emptying a traditional IRA before they had to and, and reinvest after-tax distributions in, in a taxable account. Uh, the strategy is really optimal for more taxpayers today. But, of course, not everybody has the flexibility of IRA distributions. Some of you, you know, you need to begin distributions before your RMDH. Why? Because you're, you're paying for retirement living expenses. Um, you know, so there's other people out there that, that have to take distributions that, well exceed the required amount on the year. But you, as an IRA owner, you have options. And we want you to take a close look at the alternatives and really really develop a strategy for taking IRA distributions and spending other assets. There are several potential dangers that come to mind to leaving assets in a traditional IRA and 401k for as long as allowed. And when, when we talk about uh, you know, getting control, a lot of times people think immediately Roth conversion, but there's there's other ways to garner control and distributions from your traditional retirement account are taxed always as ordinary income. And it'll be taxed uh, you know, at the top income tax rate that you're in. So the IRA, it, it might be earning long-term capital gains, qualified dividends and other tax advantage income, but it's all taxed as ordinary income when it's distributed. So there may be a case where it's better to take the money out early, pay the taxes, and invest the after-tax amount to earn tax advantage gains. When you are selling within your brokerage account, obviously you're taxed at favorable capital gains rates under today's law. Another danger that comes to mind is that your, your income tax might increase. I mean, people generally believe that their income tax rate declines once they retire. That was maybe the case, 
back in the day where there was a lot of tax brackets. But since the Tax Reform Act of 1986, we've had relatively few brackets. And, and many people, many successful people, you stay in the same tax bracket when you retire. We've talked about this on this program for years around how we see clients that if they don't decrease brackets, some of them, they actually increase brackets. There's a number, for reason, a number of reasons for that. But just keep in mind, tax rates are at historic lows right now, right? And there's a chance that they could go up. They're right now set to sunset and go up in 2026. And so when you've got money in an IRA, um, you're, it's kind of a one-sided relationship, right? You are, you're, you're basically at the mercy of whatever Uncle Sam wants to tax you at down the road when it, the time comes to pull it out. So the big risk for retirees um, are stealth taxes as well. And these are, uh, these are directly targeted at retirees and affect retirees and taxpayers alike. But all I want you to take away from this is that when you build a distribution plan from your accounts, whether it's IRAs, 401ks, brokerage, cash, etc., you really want to be mindful of what you need and what it's going to cost you, the price of admission. So if you've got IRAs and 401ks and brokerage, and you need, let's say, $8,000 a month, depending on the mix and the weighting of those accounts, you may be looking at taking some money out of the IRA, some out of the 401k, some out of the brokerage, some out of cash to really uh, control the bracket that year. Because um, all that money is taxed at different rates. And so when you think about your IRAs, I just want you to Maybe change your financial religion a little bit because for some of you out there, it may make sense in the early years of retirement to take more out of your IRAs, uh, leaving the Roth alone, and then looking at the Roth as the fallback in later years when that money has time to you know, cook. Maybe it's doubled, tripled in value over a couple decades, and then you know, you're in total control because that money's not showing up. So all that to say, we've got still another segment today. I want to encourage you to, to text me your questions right now, 512-836-0590. I'll be right back with you. This is Wealth Radio, 10 years now on KLBJ. Here's author, wealth manager, and CEO of Reed Financial, Chris Herline. Welcome back. Chris Herline here, fastest hour of my week. We are already in our last segment today. Thank you for all of our loyal Wealth Radio listeners that have tuned in with me for over a decade, it's great to meet so many of you throughout the year and uh, appreciate your questions today. We've had some good ones come in. I want to take another one here, 512-836-0590 if you'd like to join. Um, question is, I don't have a name here, but it says, is my IRA safe from creditors? Um, it is protected to a certain extent. You know, when we are looking at building out uh, coordinated wealth plans for our families, um, one of the things that's of most importance is building a wall around your wealth. And that are, there's ways to do that. You can get real elaborate with complex trust, um, with certain entities. You can, um, you can look at buying affordable uh, umbrella insurance, uh, typically through uh, your homeowners, and, you know, one, three, five, ten million dollars. We see that all the time. It's rather affordable. That can provide quite a bit of liability protection. But when it comes to retirement accounts, they are, in most cases, protected from creditors and lawsuits, uh, but not all the time and not up to maybe the entire balance. Um, in general, 
Qualified retirement accounts are protected from creditors, whether or not bankruptcy is declared. But for most types of retirement plans, the protection may not be unlimited. IRAs receive limited protection. So that's that's what the text question was asking. And it's it's pretty high amount. Uh, here in 2024, your IRA is protected up to $1.512 million. So $1,512 million. Um, and that, that adjusts through the years. It goes up, kind of inflation adjustment, if you will. There's no limit, however, when the IRA was funded entirely with rollovers from a qualified employer plan, such as your 401k. So if you have a large 401k and you want to ensure that it's protected from creditors in the future, don't roll it over into an existing IRA that has contributions other than rollovers. So you're kind of commingling the money there a little bit. Roll the 401k over to a separate IRA, which the only contributions in that case are from 401k rollers. That's that's a big gotcha right there. Um, but it's an easy way to protect the entire balance, um, particularly in your, your company 401k. Now, there's other types. I mean, there's a number of types of litigation. There's a, there's a number of things that can come into play, uh, litigation, divorce, you know, death of a spouse, all sorts of things. But another limit is that inherited IRAs aren't protected from creditors really at all. Um, in addition, um, a spouse can be awarded a share of the IRA in a divorce. So that's generally the case subject to divorce. But inherited IRAs aren't protected. So when you start thinking about your net worth, um, your balances, you, you probably have a mix of money, you know, cash, You've got brokerage, you've got IRAs and 401ks. You may have inherited IRAs. A lot of people are going to be inheriting wealth from their elderly parents over the next five years. So when you start thinking about building a wall around your wealth, um, you may need more coverage, liability protection than just what the 401k and what that limited IRA amount will provide. Other money can be subject uh, to litigation. Now, one of the strategies that many retirees use are called multi-year guarantee annuities. And those are generally just a fixed rate type of annuity. Uh, we're seeing, you know, three and four and five year uh, terms paying somewhere about 5.8 to 6%. So pretty competitive rates, you know, a little above CD rates. But one of the, the powerful things about these MIGA accounts is that number one, they, they grow tax deferred. So that's, that's nice. Um, but they are litigation proof. They're, they're off the books in the event of litigation. So it's, a, it's an additional way to build your wall around your wealth. You know, we had a, a client recently that had a bunch of CDs, a couple million dollars in CDs, and he was going to uh, potentially renew. And I think, I, I just let's, let's use a million dollars. It was close to that. But a million dollars was amount that was coming to maturity. And we talked about the pros and cons of, of CDs and MIGAs, and I said, you know, obviously you get the litigation protection, but the tax deferral on this is, is really something. Because let's say that you, you've got, uh, you know, a million dollars in a 6% account, that's generating 60000 bucks a year, right, of interest. And if it's in a CD, that's going to show up as, as, well, as interest on the 1040 each year. And you're not touching it. You can't touch it. And so you're paying tax on money you're not using. And in this case, by deferring the tax, it's literally saving him about $12,000 a year in taxes. 
12000 a year in tax. If it was in the CD, it would be about 12000 If in the MIGA, it's growing tax deferred. So if it's a three-year MIGA, that's $36,000 of tax savings. So these are the little things that can help you know, optimize uh, your savings plan, your strategy, just by keeping more. You know, as we wrap up today, I want to encourage you. We, we've got a, a phenomenal YouTube channel that I drop content on every single Wednesday. You can subscribe at Reap Financial to stay on top of the latest there. I've got some great case studies around families retiring with 500,000, a million, a million, five, three million, 10 million, and kind of get a sense of, you know, are you a candidate to get retired now? Should you wait a few years? You know, what are the kind of the behind the scenes strategies to ensure that you got total success? And, you know, one of the things that I, I really want you to know is that there are several things leading up to retirement that must be done correctly that can really enhance the success and security of a long-term retirement. I talk about a lot of these in our 10 Tips Retirement Guide, and uh, it's updated for 2024, and I want to offer it to you at no cost for all of our Wealth Radio listeners. Go to my website. It's reapfinancial.com. You can catch us online at Reap financial.com. That's R-E-A-P financial.com. Download our 10 retirement tips guide right there on the homepage. It's chock full of great information for those of you that are walking into retirement or just have recently retired. As always, I thank you for your listenership and we'll be back with you next Saturday, 11 a.m. Visit wealthradio.com right now for your copy of Chris's report on social security and your retirement. If you have questions about when to apply for social security, how it fits into your retirement plan, and how to avoid costly mistakes, reach out to Chris at 512-249-7300, 512-249-7300, or write to Chris at WealthRadio.com, Chris at WealthRadio.com, and write Social Security Guide on the subject line. There is much more ahead on Wealth Radio with Chris Herline, here on News Radio KLBJ.